Welcome back to The Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives regarding men, women, sex, and love. This program is brought to you in part by Let's Get Real, where forensic accountant Tiffany Couch uses her financial skills to shine the light on the real issues we all face every day. If you would like to make decisions based on facts and information rather than on rhetoric and cultural pressures, go to letsgetreallife.com, a place where you can find tools to improve your communication skills and to increase your connection to humanity. That's letsgetreallife.com. Okay, last week I told you that our new monthly segment, The Bill and Suzanne Hour, would begin on August 17th. But my guest for this week had to reschedule, so my husband Bill is actually here with me a week early for our first installment. He and I have been busy organizing controversial topics to discuss, all related to marriage as well as to our political climate. So if you have something you'd like to request, you can email us at Suzanne at the SuzanneVenkerShow.com. Today on the show, he and I are going to discuss dumb ideas about marriage people think they have to follow. But before we get to that, a couple of quick announcements. I'd like to remind you to please consider becoming a Patreon subscriber. There are four very economical levels, and when you sign up, you get all kinds of perks depending on which tier you choose. All you have to do is go to thesuzannevenkershow.com and scroll down until you see the Become a Patron button in the middle of the page. Also, if you're looking for marriage or relationship coaching, just go to my website, SuzanneVenker.com, and click on Coaching at the top. Do you ever feel pressured from the culture to do marriage a certain way? Does it cause you to wonder about other people's marriages, how they do things perhaps, and then you get caught up in thoughts about what you think you should be doing? As natural as that tendency may be, my husband Bill and I are going to talk about why cultural pressures should not cause you to be plagued with feelings of inadequacy regarding your marriage, so long as what you do works for the both of you. To that end, we're going to discuss five dumb ideas about marriage many people think they have to follow, but actually don't. We're going to get to that in a moment, but first I'd like to welcome my husband back to the program. Here I am. (laughs) Hello, Bill. Hi. Thank you for for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, Looking forward to it. Yeah, I should say... this is this is kind of fun. This is very different for us. We are actually in our home, and we will be doing the program from our home once a month. And we had to get all set up with the equipment, and my assistant had to to help us, or me really. I was trying to make sense of it all, and it's not really my area, but so it took it took quite some time. But I think we finally you have did it just down. fine. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so um, Bill, I got a lot of nice feedback from when. You came on the last time. Those of you who don't know, he came on, I don't know, what was it, two months ago or something? I guess. And Kelsey, my assistant, um, asked this us. This COVID thing's got me all confused know, about what day it is. I know. Um, she asked us a series of questions that we had collected from listeners, and that went very nicely. And people, I got a lot of great feedback, and people thought um, you, you sounded great and seemed au natural, so here you are. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it's no different than any other day when you hang out and have coffee Yeah. in the morning and talk about things. Yeah. Just have a big microphone in front of you now. Yeah. <laughs> That's not so normal. No. <laughs> and I have these headphones on. Yeah. Takes a little getting used to. Okay, so um, we we basically brainstormed and came up with, for this particular segment, 
ideas about marriage that people we think um, glean from the culture or from wherever, you know, the media, what have you, that we think are kind of bogus, basically. And we want to turn that on its head because that's what we do here at the Suzanne Benker Show and talk about a completely different way of looking at the same issue. So for the first one, for example, it's pretty common knowledge that the message people get from the culture and especially from media is that there's this idea of a soulmate and the idea that your spouse should be your soulmate. And we we want to chat about that and, and tell you what we think on that. So yeah. go so, ahead, Bill, and uh, I'll let you. Well, listen, the things that we're talking about here are really a lot of misconceptions about what the reality is of marriage, I would yeah. think. Yeah. Um, as far as the soulmate goes, I don't know whether I really believe so much in that uh, simply because it's it's kind of a fantasy idea. You know, it's like a made-up thing that I don't even know where it came from, if it came from the movies or where it came from, but... I think, and let's interrupt you just for a second, just to define it, or excuse me, to say that I'm going to be having Brad Wilcox on in a few weeks to discuss the entire hour. We're going to talk about the myth of the soulmate. So I just wanted to throw that throw that out there. And he has a definition for what it is, which is an intense romantic or emotional connection that should only last as long as it remains happy and fulfilling to the self. So Which that's the definition craziness. that they use. That's yeah. like, that, that to me sounds more like the early first love when you're all butterfly and you got googly eyes because you're so in love with the person and they can do nothing wrong and they just love you perfectly and you love them perfectly. It's all just a big fantasy. Yeah. It's like watching some, it's like watching a movie and really the real marriage starts at the end of the romantic movie. It doesn't start at, at the beginning of the movie. And and it really that's really not what it is. So anyway, to get back to the soulmate piece, I think there's much more. Uh, it's much more an understanding of um, the non-negotiables. We talked about that a little bit um, the last time at the end um, when I was on. But th- the thing is, is that it's it's you have all these things going on in your life. There's a lot of pressures, and in the relationship, it's it should be elastic, meaning that it is uh, like a rubbery, like a rubber band in a way, and it can stretch out really far. Where you're, where you have moments where you're not together, you're not on the same page, you're fighting, and then you regroup and start over, and you come back together, and you're on the same page again. So it's it ebbs and flows. You're, it's not something where it's just always you're always on this oxytocin high every single day of your life. It's impossible to do that for everything. I mean, it's no different than the weather. One day it's sunny, and you love it, and the next day it's rainy. And while it may suck, you start to appreciate a little bit because it's kind of a tough time. It's kind of a silly analogy, but I think it it has it ties it together. Yeah, it's very much, I guess, the difference between, you know, I don't know, I think of the soulmate idea as like just completely based on feelings. So if you're which is technically what the definition is about. It's about how you feel about this person. Well, I mean, there's no way you're going to feel positively about the person you're married to for 40 years. That doesn't make any sense. So you can't act on these feelings that you have that are negative and assume that it means something. You know, it's just sort of like having a long view, right? right. Just having this long sure. and even, term view of of your relationship. Even another thing mm-hmm. I thought about this uh, the other day was that when you're when you're having a hard time, and your spouse is frustrating you. Another way of doing it would be to um, kind of turn it on its head and find those things as being endearing. So 
one thing like I know I do obnoxious things that drive Suzanne crazy like I don't I don't finish cleaning the the countertop or I put all the dishes we talked about this last time put all the dishes in the dishwasher and I don't turn it on but you know at the same time there's there's times where you'll make you'll make like today you made something and it's left everything out and then ran out the door and went to go to work and and I was like okay well I'll just put all this stuff away it's not a big thing and right, some so- people hold on to those things and then that creates the the, the stretching of the relationship. Yeah, because the whole soulmate concept of those, that feeling that you have when you fall in love and that you're getting from when you're watching these shows, it doesn't make any difference who you marry. That's a stage, right? It's a stage mm-hmm. of every single relationship, and it's going to end. Mm-hmm. So like that way that I saw you and you saw me in those early months when you look at me today and vice versa, there's no way to look at each other in the same way you did. I mean, hopefully it's better, but I mean, I'm just saying it's a different feel altogether because you know, the person it's 22 years later. So it's, I would describe it this way. It's more of a a feeling. I have feelings for you that go all the way down to my barrow, the marrow of my being of where I am coming from. So for instance, you know, you, you joke around a lot about how you have to go first. And that, you know, when we die or whatever, when we're oh. 900 years old. Yeah, because I won't be and, able to cope. Because you won't be able to handle it. And then I, I got up Saturday morning or Sunday morning. I thought, wow, what would it be like if Suzanne just wasn't here? Like she had passed away. And I thought, wow, that's really hard. I would have a really hard time with it. I know that I would. You always say that I would get through it. And I would because I muster to get through things. But it wouldn't be fun. It would really kind of – because you're, you're – when when I think of you, when if I was going to use the word soulmate for anything – it would be the fact that you and I are so much on the same page about so many of the important things that yeah. are in our life. That, to me, is what the soulmate is. It's not, oh, yeah. you like to eat uh, peanuts just like I do. That's not a soulmate. <laughs> or you like to go hiking like I do. That's not soulmate material. Soulmate material is you're on the same page about who you are as a human being in terms of what your goals are together as a couple. Yeah, and I like your when you've, you've said in the past that um, – you can love anyone, but that doesn't mean you belong with anyone. So a soul, in other words, you can feel a certain way about somebody that's just all about love and chemistry, and you think that's your soulmate, but... Um, those are your hormones. Those, yeah, exactly. And it's I don't know how to separate it for people, young people in particular, because there's just bombarded with it yeah. every single day. Worse now than 20, even 20 years ago because of social media and because of these images and these, everything that they're reading and getting constantly in their face, you're, you're, I mean, I, I know in one of my books I actually wrote, like, close your eyes and imagine if you lived in a day before there was even television, right? Like, there was no images. There were no, there was no nothing. Mm-hmm. And you just were living a very simple, plain life, and you didn't know what was going on out there in the real world. Mm-hmm. If you're not bombarded with those images about sex and romance and soulmate concept, you it's not going to dawn on you to even approach or think about your marriage in that way. And that's actually better right. to not have that that bogus message in your face all the right. time. The, the, the phrase I always use is, you can love anyone, pretty much anyone, but are they the right person for you? So, and I always remind the kids, they have to kind of, there's a certain amount of selfishness in uh, dating to find someone you're going to marry because you you really kind of need to be on the same page on so many levels. And that's not soulmate material. That's, 
you know. Right, but you can understand how the, the person who, when you're feeling that strongly about somebody, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we it's both hard. had people in our lives before us, and, and you, it's hard to separate and not think about that person as your soul, I don't know. Right. Uh, it, it's like the power it, of, uh, to, you know, to phrase Seinfeld, it's the Kavorka. <laughs> you're, no, you're that was like, great. I got the Kavorka for this person or whatever. I can't, they've got the Kavorka over me, you know, and you can't think straight. Yeah. And you then you make bad decisions yeah. because you're not separating the emotional passion you're feeling with, is this really the right person? Because I'm really attracted to him and I like him for these, this, and this and the reason, but are they the right reasons? And that's part of what we, you know, why we're talking about this is I think a lot of people don't talk about what are the right reasons to get married to somebody. Or have a relationship with them. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to number two. Now this one's this one's a little different, guys. So I the reason why I want to talk about this is because it's a little bit personal. So we're gonna get personal here, but also it's also um, funny. It's it, it is funny, and <laughs> and not only that, but. Uh, I, I, think I, it is. <laughs> I really truly believe that it's like an undiscussed, nobody wants to talk about it subject. So much so that there was an article in the USA Today. Well, first of all, let me tell you what it is. So it's the idea that if you don't sleep in the same bed as your spouse, that your marriage must suck. So the truth of the matter is, and we can talk about this going back to like the way couples used to do things back in the day, but there was an article in the USA Today recently that showed 25% of married couples do not sleep in the same bed. That's a pretty high number, if you ask me. You know, I was a little surprised, not shocked, but a little surprised, um, because I think that it's something that nobody wants to talk about precisely because of this idea that I just said, that this is idea that your marriage sucks if you don't sleep in the same bed. So that got me to thinking about my own perception of this subject. And it, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got their images of, of you know, and what their, their feelings about what they think about the subject. But for me, my parents had a very high conflict marriage. And they never did sleep, not only in the same bed, but in the same room. I was the only kid I knew whose parents literally had separate bedrooms um, that were combined by like a Jack and Jill bathroom. And so I associated sleeping separately, particularly in separate rooms, which is a little different from separate beds, but with, you know, a bad marriage, always, always, um, or a high conflict marriage or, you know, just, it wasn't good. Like there was a reason why they didn't sleep together. But the reality is about 10 years into our marriage, we started struggling sleeping in the same bed. And there are different reasons for that, which, you know, it doesn't really matter what the details are. He moves a lot. You know, there's people who snore. There's, um, yeah. People who snore. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's, there's different reasons for why people like actual physical reasons why it's difficult. We went from a, I know from at one point from a queen to a king and then Uh we switched the mattresses around. Let's not get into that conversation. We could very much talk about that. That's the funny part. I know. But uh, anyway. But it started, I think, when we had all these stressors. We had a lot of stress (laughs) in the last, in the second part of our marriage. We've been married 22 years. And in the second part, we had a lot going on in our personal lives. And it was was getting difficult to sleep. And I think, um, you know, your life changes and you go through these periods. And at any rate, we were struggling. So today, we are fortunate to have a very large bedroom that accommodates essentially two beds. It's got a king size bed in it and then it's got a day bed. Um, so it's yeah. sort of, it's, it's sort of our version of, um, losing, uh, 
Lucy and Desi from I Love Lucy. You know, most be- back in that back in those days, they had separate beds in the same room, and they were twin beds. And you used to think, how the hell did you have sex in those beds? I mean, I get the sleep part, but where'd the sex come into play? Do you really have sex on a single bed? Well, why not? Well, well ew, I problem? mean, that's just so. There's no room. Yeah, there is. Okay, obviously you're talking from experience. You and I have not had sex in a single bed that I know of. Oh, but yes, at any we rate, have. You're forgetting. Oh, I am? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Well, at any rate, let's just get to this issue. Okay, so so that was my image of, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is we started to struggle sleeping in the same bed together. We very much want to be in the same bed together. It, when we do sleep separately, it is wonderful in terms of sleep. It's fabulous. Like, we just sleep so much better when we sleep in separate beds. And so then I got to thinking, like, well, what? There's nothing wrong with our marriage. We still have sex. Like, we touch all the time. There's, like, there's, there's to tons of intimacy. There's, so why do I have to feel so bad about this? And holding hands and kissing and yeah, there's all that going on. So, so when this story came out, you know, I'm like, God, you know, I wonder what other people. I just think that it's an, a very um, sort of secretive subject. So, well, I think people, it's a taboo. No one really wants yeah. to come out and say. You know, it's like your political party. No one wants to say what party they're in because, yeah. you know, if you sit there saying, well, we don't sleep in the same bed and be like, what? Are you having problems? Right, exactly. Are you, is he cheating on you or is it, yeah. what's happening? Yeah. You know, they, they insinuate all these other things without really understanding. Well, you know, honestly, if I get a good night's sleep, Suzanne looks really great the next day. <laughs> I know. I mean, same, <laughs> same, absolutely same. And so that gets me to thinking, of, oh, and also back up real quick. We also see each other. 24 7. So everybody needs to understand. Don't exaggerate. This, it's, not, it's, well, a, it's probably we, 18 24. <laughs> we work from home and we've been, and we, we do not go our separate ways. There's not a lot of traveling going on. We are always, always together. So it got to the point where it's like, God, I just want to be alone for a little while, right? And I'm sure he felt the same way. So there's that piece of it that caused um, this to sort of have a. Well, and with COVID, no, we're never home. I mean, we're never I mean, alone because the kids are still yeah. here. Well, that's a subject. Although that's changing yeah. this week, but yeah. That's another subject. Um, so then, um, you know, people, you know, the, sort of the natural question is, well, does it lead to less sex? And I think, that's a, I think that's a reasonable question because I think if you got really comfortable with being in a separate bed or a separate room, especially in a separate room, which is definitely, I think I could see it going that way if people... Yeah. If you're in separate rooms, you just let too much time it, go by. I could see how it, you. Well, would it's not. a signal of. I mean, honestly, it's why are you in separate beds? Are you in separate beds because you hate each other? Yeah. Are you in separate beds because you love each other and you want both of us to get sleep? Both of us want to get sleep and then be loving during the day. If you're not having lovings during the day, <laughs> having no, lovings, you know, you know what I mean, <laughs> yes, kissing I and hugging and saying hello and oh, you look good or any of that kind of stuff. There's there's none of that going on. There's a problem. Then, then yeah. it's not going in the right direction, right? And then doesn't it make you and think? And like of- you said, if there's high conflict, yeah. you know, with like your parents, of course, that's why you would think that and feel yeah. that way. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Like I've had such a hard time. The reason I'm saying all that to everybody, I've had such a hard time being in a separate bed from them, even though it works great for us. Yeah, because I wasn't able to sort of separate that and say it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Um, and then I started to think about people back in the day, like. Where they slept in twin beds in mm-hmm. the same room, and I thought, well, how co- was that totally common? I, I mean, mean if you- honestly, when you watch, when you know, so if you watch the Waltons, this, you know, the bed is so small, and you're thinking, how, you can't even move. If somebody rolls over once, the other person wakes up. Yeah, that's the other thing. When you watch these older movies, he's talking about any, you know any movies from the 30s or 40s or shows or whatever. 
I love how you brought up the Waltons. We, we, we're not going to talk about that this hour, but um, next time maybe we'll talk about our, our love of the Waltons. We do love the Waltons. Um, uh, but yeah, I, you can't help but notice that, that those beds are so damn small. Or when right. I go to do, remember when we went to that um, tour of, which president was it? And the um, uh, uh, Jefferson? Uh, was it Jefferson? Monticello? Or was it, yeah, yeah. could have been that. Yeah, and the bed. And now, granted, people were we really small beds. back then. People were shorter, both men and women. But right, yeah. Well, even Lincoln had two. They had two beds. Yeah, the Lincolns did because he is so tall. So he had this giant bed, and then Martha had a little tiny bed. Or was it? What was her name again? I can't remember. Um, but his wife had this little bed. But they were in the same room. They were in right, the yes, same room. Right, yes, right, right. So it was like the norm. And you think, when, whoever came up with this idea that everybody should sleep in the same bed together? Well, and think about it. If you're the, <laughs> well, on top of that, if you're the president, you're getting up in the middle of the night. you got to go downstairs and you know take care of something, or he comes to bed all hours of the well, night. Well, that brings up another thing. What yeah. about different schedules? I mean, how many people do we know? And I'm sure people listening now are like, hell yeah. People live on different schedules. Some people get up earlier. Some people... Um, are night owls. Some people are morning people. Fortunately, we're on the same schedule, and that's kind of another interesting conversation we could have because I think... Except for the weekends. I just like to sleep That's in. true, right? On the weekends you sleep in. I don't. I'm up at the same time every day. And then there's... who? How many people get up in the middle of the night to pee? Well, I don't know. I guess it depends on how old you are. <laughs> well, the well you are, you're probably for example, when we first got married, I don't think I ever got up. But yeah. then, you know, once we had kids and now we're old farts, I'm just like... I pee all the time in the middle of the night. So then there's then there's getting back in the bed and should I not say that? No, I don't care. Oh well, Kelsey can feel free to skip that if that's too personal. But anyway, so you get up a lot in the middle of the night, and then the every time you come back into the bed from going to the bathroom, you know it wakes me up or you up. Anyway, I don't hear you. I swear to God, you keep saying that every time you get up, you hear I I, I move. I'm like I don't even I'm not well, even aware of it. I move I all the time. Anyways, I know. It I, know. Matter. I know that's the unless problem. I we're like running twenty miles. Me up. And I'm exhausted. Anyway, so all of this is to say, it's just to give an open space to say, hey, nobody ever talks about this, but you actually can sleep in separate beds and have well, a perfectly good and the marriage. separation might be a good thing. When you got married, things were perfect. You were both in love and life was good. Then somewhere along the line, everything changed. She changed, or maybe he did. Either which way, now your relationship feels, well, hard. I coach husbands and wives who feel lonely, disrespected, or misunderstood in their relationship. So many women today are desperate for their husbands to step up to the plate, to make a decision and to stick to it, to lead rather than to follow. Ladies, you have the power to make it happen. Men respond best to women who are grounded in their feminine core. As for husbands, so many of them want their wives to stop nagging and to just trust them, to smile more and to complain less, to look at them the way they did when they were first dating. Men, you have the power to make it happen. Women respond best to men who are grounded in their masculine core. The secret to lasting love rests in the masculine-feminine dance. Once you master it, your relationship will no longer be difficult. You'll be moving with the biological tide rather than against it. And that makes marriage smooth sailing. If you're struggling in your relationship, if you feel frustrated or alone, I can help. Just go to SuzanneBanker.com, that's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-V-E-N-K-E-R.com, and click on the coaching button at the top. Don't wait another minute to acquire the mindset you need to find love and to sustain it. It's so much easier than you think. That's SuzanneVenker.com. And then there's the time that I had that rabbi on a couple months ago. I don't know if you heard that one, Bill, but Rabbi Friedman came on, and he it was called The Art of Intimacy. We did a whole podcast on that. And in his Orthodox culture, Jewish culture, 
you don't sleep in the same bed. The whole idea that you would sleep in the same bed as your spouse is crazy to them because their whole mindset is to create this the tension. intimacy. Yes, this tension. Yeah. Well, like they also don't have sex during the woman's it's like two weeks out of the month. Yeah. I think you can only have sex in the Orthodox Jewish community two weeks out of the month and not okay. the other two for some reason. Know. But anyway, in addition to that, they sleep in separate beds. So the idea being that you get together, you, you don't become so accustomed to each other in that way that it breaks down intimacy. Now, I, I'm not suggesting that that's, it has to be that way. I'm just saying that that was a really interesting hour mm-hmm. um, and it was a completely different take on this whole issue that you never hear about in, you know, the culture. Well, it's, so, like, it's the idea of missing someone. Yeah. You know, just like what you were saying, like when you would, you would, you liked when I was gone for a week because you'd miss me. I'd be exhausted. You'd yeah. come up and give me big hugs and I'd be like, okay, that's great. I just want to get inside and sit <laughs> yeah. down. Yeah. We were talking, you know, cause yeah. I was on the road all day and all week, but it, you know, it's, it, it, there is something we said for that. Even like if you go out of town, once every 10 years. I feel that way when you come back. <laughs> always, I know. He's always like, when are you leaving? You don't ever, you never leave the house. That, that's the other piece of our relationship is that we, we really are at home the all the you time. You don't travel. You just don't travel. I just don't travel a lot. I used to travel a little bit more, but even when I did travel more, it wasn't that much. It was just a couple times a year for a day, you know, to like go on a show. Well, it's like if you'd leave, you'd leave for 24 hours and you called me, they, I miss you. I'm like, what? I haven't been gone that long. <laughs> I know. But then when he does go out, he's trying to say that on the occasions that he is gone for a whole week, which is really rare, it's this completely added, it's just this new thing to our relationship. I don't know what it's like to miss him because we're together all the time. So it's really nice. But anyway. Okay. So anything else that you want to add to to that topic, Bill, about sleeping in the same bed or not? Uh, No. No. I think that that covers it. Okay. So three. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I have such strong feelings about this. Well, announce it. Okay, <laughs> the sex that you have with your spouse should be like the kind that you see on TV and in the movies. <laughs> so this goes back to the idea of being bombarded with these yeah. images, right? And regular television to compare it with what you brought up before. The, the shows and the, the movies and the shows back in the 1940s and 50s didn't do this. And in the last 20, 30 years, people are bombarded with these images of sex, 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 sex. Right. And a certain kind of sex, either swinging from the chandeliers kind of sex or, or romance within the sexual, like the kind that you would have at the beginning of the relationship. And when you're constantly bombarded with that and you're like 20 years, you know, 10, 15, 20 years into your marriage, it's like, Oh, if we're not having sex like that, does that mean there's something wrong with us? I mean, all, I mean, honestly, now we're halfway through these, these five pe- five different pieces that we're mm-hmm. talking about. And, there's so much pressure on what the expectation is that are not, they're unrealistic. They're fantasy expectations of what it should be. Yeah. And the reality is if you backpedal from that and say, okay, I'm a human being, my spouse is a human being, this is not going to be sunshine every day, out on the water, beautiful weather, everything's great, everyone's smiling, nobody's upset, nobody has a poopy diaper, nobody has diaper rash, nobody, everybody sleeps the right amount every day. It's all fantasy. That doesn't happen. Everyday life happens where it ebbs and flows. And sex is the same thing. 
when you're young, before you start having kids, it's romantic. You get candles, you got flowers, you do back rubs, you know, all these great things. And then you have the kids and they're little and you can still do some of that. But then when they start getting too old, you're kind of like, this is kind of creepy. They're like right next to us and I'm not uncomfortable. I'm just kind of uncomfortable being my normal boisterous sexual self or whatever you know loving yeah. self yeah. you know so i have to turn it down it's like being in prison you know like uh what frankie and johnny movie that they did years ago I where anyway that's, that's another subject but um the quietness you have to be quiet yeah. and yes. you have to take things that you can get for each other when the time is available and it may be five minutes right yeah and then maybe all you get and then you're like, <laughs> okay we gotta go now we gotta go we, we gotta go to the hardware store <laughs> You know, whatever. Yeah. And I, I got to go there and start because we're having dinner tonight. We're going to have an over, uh, you know, uh, my my cousin and her husband. Okay. Uh, yeah, you exactly. Know. Or we got to go to the yeah. hockey practice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like it, you don't have time for it. But so, if you. Well, you have time for it, but it's a different you kind connect, of. You, you, know, got, you have to connect you, in that way. Yeah. And that you both have to be on the same page. Understand that it's not perfect. And let's talk about the advantage of that for men. Because remember how we t- I mentioned this the other day and you hadn't thought about it. And you're like, yeah, that's kind of true. And I yeah. said, you know, it kind of sucks for women yeah, when it, it comes does. to sex. It really does because it takes so much more for us. So for those, for, so it ends up benefiting you from a physical perspective. Not that you like it that way. I'm not saying that. But I know. But from a physical perspective, you're, it's going to work better, if you know what I mean, for a man than for a woman to be able to do that quickly to fruition right um because it takes a lot longer for a woman to get there and so this so yeah it kind of sucks i guess what i'm trying to say and i I think i did it i think we talked about this a week or two ago with someone where i said you know take the woman out of the home and go to a hotel for example where you don't have we did a lot of that when they were yeah and And you get a whole different kind of scene there Yeah. yeah i would say this i don't like people saying that marriage is work and because it's just not the right phrase i think we have that for another episode do we yeah that's well a, anyway i'm just going to say that okay. i said we can okay. carry we can focus okay. on that more later but really the key word is commitment to the relationship and your passion is in the relationship so what i mean by that is my passion is connecting with suzanne talking to her being with her talking about the things that are going on in our lives. I mean, granted, there's days where I don't want to say a darn thing because it's a bad day. But then there's other times where we talk about whatever. I mean, whatever's going on, things in the world, things in our things in our daily activities. It's the communication part and the commitment to that that I think is important that you have to remember because and there's going to be tension. You're going to have fights, you're going to have disagreements, and that's normal. You know, it's like the lightning storm. You know, and then when the lightning storm lifts and the air cools off, it's wonderful. It's kind of like that. So, were you relating that to the sex thing somehow? Yeah, or? kind of. It's the same thing. It's like it ebbs and flows. Again, the elasticity where it gets hard. It, it you know, the relationship on that end of it is a little thinner than what you want it to be. It's not quite where it should yeah. be, but then eventually it it does come back to yeah. where it needs to be. As long as you continue to have the connection throughout. If you let it die on the vine, yeah. In fact, yeah, right. You're going to have problems. And so resentment seeing- starts and all the other stuff. That's a bad place. You want to turn that on itself. I think I'm noticing a theme here. I didn't really realize we were we had until we started talking about this. But okay, so number four is that if you think about divorce, if you ever have a fleeting thought about divorce, 
that you somehow that somehow means you marry the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, and this and this like, when I say there's a theme, I'm like because we're going to talk about ebbing and flowing again. I think because yeah. it's just not realistic to think you're going to be married to someone for 40 years and never have a fleeting thought about. Oh, what would it be like if I didn't marry that person? Right. Or what would it be like if I left? Not not seriously did it, but like if I didn't leave, if I didn't live with that person or whatever. Like that's normal, right? Well, it's like it's kind of like well, there's Jim over there across the street. He's kind of a good looking guy, and you know why? Why? You know he. But then when you get in the yard, you think the yard looks pretty good. But when you get in the yard, you're like, oh, well, there's crabgrass there too. Yes, exactly. It's the same. So that's the whole it's just green a different syndrome. form of crabgrass, but it's crabgrass, as right. my dad said. When he, my, my mom, my dad got divorced when I was 11. And uh, in my teenage years, uh, he said to me, uh, marriage, he goes, just make sure that you uh, experience courtship with a lot of different uh, ladies. So you, you get to learn their personalities. And, and then, then he said, marriage, what I learned was marriage is just going from one frying pan into another because he got divorced and then remarried. And my mom didn't remarry. Yeah. And I understand, you know, I understand what he's saying. And the frying pan part is is the silly, stupid stuff that there's tension well, and things you've got to deal with. In fairness, it's the when you're talking about divorce, because you know, as you know, my dad divorced and then married right. my mom, and he felt the same way the, out of one frying pan into another. But I wouldn't say it was silly stuff that they got divorced over. Well, no, I mean it, it was big. It was big time. No, but the idea is that I think the idea you mean is that that it's going to be solved. By leaving, by leaving and hand. finding another person, yeah. and that yeah. all that all is going to be right with that other person. Right. In fact, you very often just end up. It's uh, a frying pan. You what do you call it? Robbing Peter to pay Paul, mm-hmm. or whatever. You just have a different set of shit. Yeah. So, it's know, a so frying pan. It's about the temperature. You, you control honestly in the marriage. You can control the temperature of the frying pan. Yes, that's by that's how a, you yes. communicate yeah. and get along. Yeah. If you want it, it, you know what I mean by it. When there's a lot of tension, it's hot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is hot. Mm-hmm. You're both in there frying up. Mm-hmm. But if you can get it under control and put it on low and slow, well, it'll be a lot more tender at the end. But just so like- just to go back, to, so that's so just to go back to the idea of the divorce. And you know, a lot of you who have followed me for some time, you know that I've I've talked a great deal or written a great deal about um, taking divorce off the table. And so Bill and I are very, very much proponents of that. So when you're when you're seriously talking about this subject, you don't want divorce. When you're seriously talking about the subject of divorce, my argument has always been take it off the table. Don't even entertain it because that's going to change the way you approach your marriage. And I stand by that. But at the same time, I'm also saying from a lighter perspective, but hey, of course it's human and normal to think what would my life be like if I weren't married to that person or if I'd married someone else. That's just human. So don't think that there's something wrong with you or that it means something. That's really my point of bringing this whole thing up. So, so when we first got married, and I think this is a symptom of being a uh, a young young boy and a teenager of divorce, that whenever you and I got in a fight when we first got married, I'm like, well, it's just over. We're going to end up, we're going to get divorced. And it took me a long time to process all that. Because I walk in the door, I'm like still upset. And you're like, hi, how are you? Oh, it's so good to see you. And you give me a kiss and give me a hug. And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with her? We just had a big fight this morning. Well, yeah. we should be talking about divorce, you know. And I and then I started to think about it. And I was like, well, okay. Then she's just moved on. So I learned from that to move on because these things really were pretty innocuous. Yeah. In fact, when you come back, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that. Um, 
Yeah, because that's like a that's kind of a big subject to you know, like how you brought a certain mindset to the table, as did I, and most people. They're not matching. You know, they're not necessarily matching because it has to do with their respective upbringings or whatever. And then how you sort of gel. It's also over understanding. The time. Yeah, I mean, understanding the other person and their background and what they were brought up in, yeah. and, and what they're what they're bringing to the table. Okay, so the last one, and of course, this is my favorite, <laughs> and everybody knows that this is this is a big one for me, is the idea that your marriage should be 50-50, or quote-unquote, an equal marriage. Well, or... it is. It's unequally equal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it flows both ways. It does. It's, it's all defi- it all depends on how you define equal, right? Yeah. So my argument has always been it's it, it it's equal if you're looking at it like one unit and that you're each performing separate tasks. Sometimes those tasks overlap, sometimes they don't. But as long as you're not playing tit for tat and you're looking at it like one unit, it doesn't matter who does what if you're if the end result is is one big pot and one big unit. Right. Well, and honestly, again, this goes back to my uh, my own experience. My personal feeling is that a lot of the quote unquote sexism that they claim was going on back in the 50s and 60s, where men um, did not respect what women did in the home, honestly, to, in my experience, I think is a very small percentage of men Agreed. who felt that way. Because I know my own father, um, you know, he worked every day. Uh, I remember I have memories of him coming home. My mom would be making dinner, and there were six of us. And she would make him a drink. And he would sit down and he'd read the paper and have his drink before we had dinner. And this was like 5 o'clock. Because when everybody got home, it was 5, 5 yeah, 15, right. 5 20. And um, he always, always respected what she did for the, for the household. And we all, at dinner, at the end of dinner, we were all to take turns doing the dishes. So we learned to do chores. But if anybody ever spoke in, out of turn a, towards her about anything, he was always all over them and just said, you know, your mother does a lot around here for you and makes all kinds of sacrifices and you need to respect that. So, you know, that was kind of squelched immediately. And he, he was not, he was not, he was certainly versed in being able to make something, some food. He could do it and he mm-hmm. could do the dishes. He wasn't, I, I can remember him standing there doing dishes. So it wasn't like he was never participating. You know, it's funny. We can talk about this. I mean, I think this subject is, well, I, let me say this again. I think the subject of discipline <clears throat> that you were just alluding to is a whole podcast that I'd love to talk about on one of your visits back um, because that is very, very different from my upbringing, as I think you know, um, in that my father never, ever, ever would have um, defended the work that my mother did and told us to get into the kitchen and do the dishes and all of that. And that was a big sore subject for her sore spot for her because she didn't feel that she got any support from him on the discipline front. But that goes, that goes hand in hand with the kind of marriage and dynamic that was going on between them. Cause he mm-hmm. didn't feel like he wanted to support her because of the way she behaved. So, mm-hmm. so to speak, or treated him, which goes into what I, you know, do and write about so much. But anyway, that's, that's, that's another conversation for a different day. But that's what made me think of that when you said that, that you had such a different 
experience with that. And that's such a big takeaway for kids because the kids are absorbing all that. You know, you watch that, right? And I watched yeah. something else on my yeah. end. And then we get together later, you and I, we get married. And it's like right. we're bringing those ideas right. into our and own lives. Keep in mind, this made an impression on me at a very young age because mm-hmm. by the time I was seven, my dad wasn't home all the time. And then by the time I was nine, he moved out. And when I was 11, he was he was gone. So a lot happened in those early years for me to notice that, That's him a, doing that. Yeah. So, Which is why I've never had, so for just people who do or do, you know, you may or may not know this, but so we've been married 22 years. And um, for the bulk of that time, um, I was home with the kids. And I've sort of moved in and out of the workforce as the needs of my children changed. I had one, before I had two children, I was able to squeak out my first book. Um, worked around her schedule um, when she was sleeping. And so I was either with her or I was writing a book. And then once I had our son, once we had two, I pretty much dropped out of sight. And then it wasn't until they were both in school that I um, wrote another book. In the meantime, I just sort of blogged that blogs were just sort of becoming big then. But at any rate, during this whole time period, of course, Bill has always been the steady earner. And um, I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, how that worked or how he felt about being the the sole breadwinner or the primary breadwinner. And it's such an interesting question to me because it was never even a question that, that you would support me on that. No doubt because we covered that when we were even dating, yeah, right. which is a whole nother thing. Right. Um, we knew this early on what we wanted on the arrangement. From but day I, one, I wanted, I wanted uh, somebody to be home yeah. with the kids. Yeah. I was open to it if it was going to be me, if you were some high-powered lawyer. I wouldn't necessarily say I'd want to do it that way, but if that was the way it was going to end up, then I'm, I would have been comfortable with having to do it. It would have been fine. Yeah, so know you know you my feelings, feelings on that. that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't I think just, that would have worked at all, but I, I, but I hear you. I mean, I know you were um, theoretically, but anyway, it was moot because I never would have ever wanted that. Because I wanted to be that person who was home, and well, I never and I would have considered any other way. I didn't marry but, someone who was like that. I married someone where I was the breadwinner. Right. So, was, I mean, I don't I know. You married. say that you would have... I, I was 33 when I got married. Yeah, so. I know. I just... I don't know. I, can't, I mean, you say that, and I know you mean it, but I just... I, I can't conceive of you ever really doing that doing what? long-term and being happy. No, yeah. Being no. home with them. You no. said you would have done that. Yeah. But if you'd if if you'd wanted to marry a high powered lawyer, you would have. So well, that's what I said. Yeah. I didn't want that. Yeah. In the end, so I really you, didn't yeah, want it. Right. But anyway, so the so we so that I think we've talked about this in the past. So it's just it's never really been an issue, um, you know, with who's doing what in our relationship. But I know that it is for a lot of people, and that has to do with the constant drumbeat that people deal with in the media and in the culture about how it's supposed to look and and. Um, there are these expectations that that completely they're unrealistic. They're, they're completely unrealistic, and and they they don't match what people want, what most people want, and so you're constantly up against this pressure, and that's um, you got to get that out of your head. You got that's just wasted brain space to be thinking about equality. Equality has no business in a marriage. You just don't think of it in that way. Um, it's just too big of a. It's too big of a. It's too. I don't know. Help me out here. It's, it's too what? It's it, it, it's selfish to look at it that way because honestly, the other person is doing things you're not even thinking of. Because I can tell you that if you're in a marriage where you're both sharing a lot of different duties and then you get divorced and you have kids, 
those other duties suddenly become <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know that, uh, you that know, Bill did, did this yeah, or right. Suzanne did that. Right. And that means I got to do it now. Right. Yeah. Right. So, because they're not there. Yeah. So, you know, and maybe in some cases it's okay that they're not there because it's so horrible. But, uh, you know, normally it's not, you know, it just makes it that much harder for you to survive because then you're doing double duty on so many levels. You know, yeah. laundry, dishes. Yeah. Right. Cooking, going to the grocery store. Yeah. So not getting, so not, yeah. So the whole, the lawn. keeping that in mind when you are married is just, I don't know. The whole getting into who does what is a real sticking point for me. But anyway, so anyway, that's the fifth thing. So the, the idea that marriage should be 50-50 or equal. Um, and most of you know how I feel about that. So um, so that wraps up the five things, Bill. There you go. Yeah. How did you feel about being here? I don't know. I could be watching hockey right now, I guess. <laughs> we are recording this in the evening, folks. So that is true. I don't know. We got to no, come up with a good... No, but it's been fun. And uh, hopefully everybody enjoys it. And uh, if you like it, we'll keep doing it. Yeah. You know? Well, not if. No, I've, I've told everybody we're doing okay. the Bill and Suzanne Hour. So right. that's, that's a given. But the question is, if people have... Um, suggestions, whatever, anything, any comment whatsoever that you want to make about this hour that will be once a month, um, you can simply e- email us, me or us, at Suzanne at com, and we're happy to um, to take it in the direction that you want it to go because we're really here at the end of the day for you. So thank you very much, Bill, for joining us and we will um see you in one month okay ish same bat channel (laughs) see ya and that ends this hour of the suzanne venker show don't forget to tune in next week when we talk to dr robert glover author of the book no more mr nice guy finally please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it and don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using also if you have a question or comment for me you can email me at suzanne at the suzanne venker show.com Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.